right, so today's passage uh, is is First Peter three. There's a I actually referenced this in that big long sermon uh, about the the magi and how they didn't fear. They you know they 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 came into this situation. I won't rehearse it again. Go back and listen to it. But they had a lot they could fear, and they just they just did what they thought the Lord was calling them to do. And I actually references First Peter three, um, um, and I can't remember how much I did, but so I, and I have been thinking about this. It's, it's it's a passage that's meant so much to me. There's just this one verse. It's actually kind of two verses, uh, verse fourteen and fourteen, like C and fifteen. Uh, and, but I'm going to read all of. The, uh, this section here, just to give it some context. But we're only going to focus on verses 14 and 15. But it's meant so much to me over the years on dealing with fear, because I have been have been a fearful person much of my life. Fear, fear of man was the biggest thing for me. Uh, fear of starting things. Uh, I like to think I'm a self-starter, but I am, except fear gets in the way. So I guess I'm not a self-starter. Uh, so I want to look at this, and we're going to look at this in the, in, in the context of, of the life of, of Eve, of all people, uh, and, and Adam as well, and to see how she learned to deal with fear through the this circumstances of life. So we're going to start, let's stand and hear the reading of God's Word. 1 Peter 3, 14 to 15, I'm uh, sorry, 13 to 17. And then our passage that we're going to be covering today is in bold. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you would be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will, then for, do, then for doing evil. Here ends the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Lord, we uh, once again um, ask your blessing on the hearing uh, and preaching of your word. Um, as the scriptures say, may the words of, of my mouth, the words of your mouth, and the meditations of all of our hearts uh, be acceptable in your sight. And we ask that for the sake of Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So the general outline for this passage is, is before you. It's in your, your notes. I've given you the, the passage we're going to be kind of dealing with. Um, we, generally, problems aren't the problem. Fear is the problem. Second thing is the fear of the Lord is the answer to our fears. And the third is Christ is your answer to others as to why you don't fear problems. So, to begin with, um, the Bible talks a lot about fear. And, and it usually talks about it in the context of problems. It doesn't talk about problems as much as it talks about the, uh, uh, dealing with problems, our react, reactions to problems. Because the Bible is eminently practical. Um, it God lets us know we're living in a fallen world. We're not immune to problems. Not not just because we are believers in Him. Problems don't go away. Contrary to so much of, of Christian teaching today, or 
you can't really call it Christian teaching. It comes off as Christian teaching, the prosperity theology, which says that if you believe in God, you won't have problems. And the correlator to that is if you have problems, you're just not believing in God enough. And that was the problem with uh, Job. His ultimate problem was he listened to his friends who had told him that all his horrible problems that he was facing were because he wasn't righteous enough. They had that prosperity theology. But this passage is pointing out, especially in the Old Testament passage it references, is that problems aren't the problem. Fear is the problem. Our reaction to the problems are the problem. And so it's not the problems we need to deal with, it's the fear. Just prior to this, in, in uh, 1 Peter 3, in the early part of it, he's talking about the role of the, the husbands and the wives, and he, he talks about the wives and what makes them beautiful in God's eyes, and there's that, that submission to their husbands that, that, that makes them beautiful. And it, he said, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. It would be so easy to rabbit trail in this way, because I know that's a passage that, that rings true in our society about submission to, to, to husbands, but I'll just say one thing, it's not talking about blind submission. Um, it, there's some things that Sarah should have done and said that she didn't do and say. Um, there was times she shouldn't have submitted to her husband, but, but submitting when he's doing the things that are, are that that are godly or that don't have a clear-cut answer that it's the right or wrong thing to do. He's telling her that she trusted in God, and this is what he says about. And by the way, the. As much as it sounds like he, he's t- uh, pounding on wives and telling them to submit to your husbands, he's not doing that. Like That's that kind of tone. It's even harsher on the men in the next passage I don't have here. But it says, And husbands, live with your, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way. Honor them as the weaker vessels and treat them with grace or, and treat them as fellow heirs in the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. He calls us as husbands, in, no matter whether the, the wives submit to our God-given leadership or not, we're to honor them above ourselves, to treat them as much more important than ourselves, to understand that they're weaker in the sense that they, that they can be dominated by, this, the, 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 by, by men, as we see in the Old Testament so much, that we're there to protect them and that we're to honor them as fellow heirs in the grace of life. We're to, to, their, their opinion means it just as much as ours. In fact, maybe even more. They're, they're, they're to be, we're to treat them as, as co-contributors to the raising of the family. We're not supposed to be thinking that we, we are Lord. Even though she called him Lord, it wasn't that he was Lord in the sense that he was Lord of all. It's that he had the role that was given to him by God. And she submitted to that. But think about what, what she had to go through. <laughs> think, think about it. In fact, <clears throat> well, let me look, read the, the next passage. He says, and you, taking the women, you are her children. You are Sarah's children. 
He didn't say if you submit. He says if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Submitting to someone else is frightening. Submitting to bosses is frightening. Submitting to the bigger of an organization you work in, the more you realize that, that you've got flawed human beings up and down the, the chain and they make horrible decisions that you've got to live with and sometimes aren't easy to live with. Well, you know, same thing with wives having to deal with their husbands. Think, think what she had to go through. Think about the big one. Um, you, I mean, it comes to her and, and it's kind of like this. Uh, oh, dear, um, I just had a conversation with the, the God of all the universe, the creator of all things. He came to me and, and told me that we've got to pack up and move to a, a, a country that we've never, we don't know anything about and is full of, the only thing we do know is it's full of a bunch of heathens and, and, and moon worshipers and, and people that kill off each other and, and we're going to go there and live our lives and raise our families there. Let's go. I mean, what? <laughs> you know, she has to submit to that. There's a lot to fear there. When they went there, um, Abraham um, uh, is he's afraid of the people in the land. They go to a, a certain area, and there's a king, Abimelech, um, whose name is my father's king. Uh, he set himself up. He, he, his father was king. He's king. And, and Abraham is, is in such fear of, of him, uh, he doesn't... He, he, he kind of wants to be in his good graces, so he tries to pass his wife Sarah off as his sister. I mean, she was his his stepsister, but he doesn't pass her off as his wife. He passes her off as his sister. And as it turns out, he had this agreement with her he, that she gave into, is that no matter where they went, that's what he would say that she's my sister. And with the understanding, apparently, that. If they wanted to take her, they would take her. And that's horrible. And she didn't fear that, apparently. She trusted in God, and, and, and God delivered her from the hands of, of this king who took her to be his own wife. God appeared to the, the king and said, hey, what you're doing is wrong, and if you don't want me to bring my wrath on you, you give her back to this, this man as a prophet, and he'll pray for you. But think of all that she went through. And, and she didn't fear. And that's what's interesting about that. It says, if you don't, you're her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. The Bible isn't saying we're not facing things that are frightening. Everything in life is frightening because we don't know the future. But we're not to fear it. We're to face it. How do we face it? It's this passage in, in later on in, in Pierce Peter. And, and Peter is quoting and Peter is talking about the, the fear of, of or the facing persecution in life and he says have no fear of them nor be troubled and he, and he quotes a passage that from the Old Testament which literally says do not fear their fear do not be afraid of what they are afraid of and if you understand that kind of put this in here he's, he's really saying that when people turn against you and lash out at you especially as Christians, what they're doing is they're, they're, they're lashing out of the thing they fear most. You think, you know, of all people, we're called to be peaceful people. We're called to be loving. We're called to be accepting of others, of other, other sin even. I mean, we're not to, you know, to, to, we're to be accepted to understand that they're sinful being human, human beings and we want to help them deal with that and point them to Christ, point them to God of, of creation. And what can be 
less hostile than that. But for some reason, people take it as hostile because it upends everything they think. They think they're in control and their whole lives are... Human lives are trying to control everything. And that's the problem with problems is because we can't control those things. And so we get upset, we get angry, we get fearful of them. We don't know the future. We, we, we can't control what's ahead of us. So we fear the, the future. We fear the things that we, we have no understanding of. We fear people because we don't know how they're going to react, which is all a matter of control. We fear, what, we fear the problems, but we're not to fear what others fear because we're different. Because, and this is what he says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. In the Old Testament, it was do not fear what they fear, but sanctify the Lord as Lord in your hearts. And what that means is set apart or honor. The word here is they use the word honor, but really is the word sanctify in this, in this passage. It means to, to set apart. It's a little difficult for our minds to, to, to understand. So they... Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what it sounds like to you. Um, Sorry. That's awesome. I love it. No, no, no. That's awesome. You don't understand. I don't. We don't don't usually hear kids when you're up here preaching, but that you hear. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get to the point. Get to the point. Okay, we'll get to the point. Let's, Let's go to the Old Testament and look at a situation. Um, where people de- try to deal with fi- with problems by by in, in, by by trying to control the problems in facing instead of trusting God, let's go to the big problem. The first problem. What is the first big problem of life? Death. Death was the first problem of life. In fact, Jesus points to that when he talks about fear. He says. Uh, um, Matthew 10 he, he tells the, the disciples he's sending them out as sheep in the midst of wolves to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves and then he goes to this whole long line of things that, that they're going to go through for his namesake and pointing out that if they did it to him they're going to do it to, to us as well and then he says this at the end um, in, uh, verse 26 have no fear of them for nothing is covered that will be not revealed or hidden that will be not be known. For I tell you in the dark, when I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim in the housetops. Words, don't worry about them. Your job is to tell the world what I tell you. To live out your lives what I tell you. And then he says this. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. The biggest problem is death. Everything else stems from them. That you got to, if you put it in perspective, death is the problem that we face, and whether it's physical death or spiritual death, but but it's it's the death of our dreams, um, it's the death of our our goals, it's the death of our plans, it's when things don't go right. That's a form of death, but it all stems from the great death that was ushered into the world when Adam and Eve sinned. There was literal death that came in, but Eve and, and Adam faced daily death. The, the, the ground would no longer produce food the, the, the way it would. They would have to struggle real hard for it. They would labor hard. 
They would have pain and suffering, pain in childbirth. All the things that, that stem from a, a dying world um, they would be facing. A world of, that's full of sin. And that's what Eve is facing at the beginning, is this whole idea of death. But God had made a promise to her and to Adam that he would provide a savior. He would provide a champion, is what they knew. And he couched it in terms with, with to Eve. It was the, the, the promise to Eve that in, in childbirth she would have great pain. But then he said, remember, I, sorry, I didn't put it in your notes. I didn't have enough room here. So I, but he's, <clears throat> he said that, um, actually, he, he, he t- turned to the serpent. And he, he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Um, he will bruise you on the head or crush you on the head and you will bruise him on the heel. Talking about the great battle that would come where God's champion would, would, um, would be wounded, which we know actually killed, but would survive right. So Eve sees this as a promise to her that there would be a champion that would save her from this problem that God had just introduced, that he actually had warned them about, that actually Adam and Eve introduced, that if they ate of the tree of, of, of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil, the fruit of that, they would certainly die. Death would come into the world. So Eve has her hopes on a champion. And, and rightly so. But she mis- makes a mistake, and she thinks her first child is going to be their champion. And it says in Genesis 4, 16, I'm sorry, uh, uh, 1 and 2, after this whole episode of them being kicked out of the Garden of Eden, after the, the, the promise to them, um, the promise of pain and suffering, yet uh, there's a, a champion. They were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, never to be able to return. <clears throat> at, least, at least until the champion comes, right? And it says, it says now, in Genesis 4, 1, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore a son, Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. <clears throat> now, Sam pointed out. Is your name Samuel? It is. That's odd that you would bring up the name Samuel. In, okay, just kidding. <laughs> um, that, that people often in the Old Testament would name their children after something that, that happened. The Lord heard. Shema. Hear, O Israel. The Lord heard. Her, her crying, named, you know, heard of the Lord, right? Samuel. Shemuel. Shemuel. Uh, Lord heard. This begins with Eve. Eve names Cain acquired is the actual word. Um, it is the word for, um, uh, that means to have, have accomplished something. And Eve names her son basically accomplishment or, 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 or acquisition and she says um, for I have acquired a son or gotten a man with the help of the Lord she sees this as her accomplishment 
And as we see what happens here is she had placed her hopes on this one accomplishment of hers, the problem is solved. I'm not going to have a problem anymore, the problem is solved. Right, got to finish this up, sorry. So I'm going to read. That was my timer just went off. That's been 20 minutes. Okay. But notice what she, she names her, her second son, um, Seth. I'm sorry, um, Abel. Abel, there's no comment on it. It just says, and again, she borrows brother Abel, which just means son. Abel was insignificant. He was just a son. But the great accomplishment was Cain. He's going to be the savior. But what happens? Cain is not the savior. He's the seed of the serpent. He's the one who doesn't just not stop death. He's the one who brings literal death into the world. A huge not just disappointment, but it's got to be shock. Can you imagine your own son? You think the, the one is going to be the savior is the one who's the servant himself, the embodiment of the servant. And of course, Cain kills Abel. That's a whole, that, whole, that whole scene goes off. And then it, it comes back to her. And the reason I bring this up is because these can be seen as just throwaway verses when you think about it. Oh, Cain's son. Able, blah, blah, blah. We don't. Uh, we forget that 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 so much of theology is based in the stories of the Old Testament, and, and these stories in the narrative are stories. Sometimes they're, 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 we don't understand them as, as stories or as something of great theological significance. But everything the Bible does. Um, Richard Pratt had a great book, um, great toddler book. Called he gave us stories. It was Richard Pratt that wrote that one. Um, or is it somebody else? Sam, remember that? Sure. It's a great, great book. And, and, and I thought great. you said Richard Pryor. No, 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 Richard, Richard Pratt, yeah. Um, so, but this, this story continues. You have to understand that the story is woven through, the Eve story is woven through, through Cain's story. Um, and and it, then it says in verse, um, uh, verse 4, 25, 26, that Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth, which means appointed or granted. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring instead of son, Abel, for Cain, killed him, acquired him. Her tone changed. Do you see? It's, it's no longer an accomplishment. It's no longer a sense of pride in herself and what she has done with God's help. Now she understands that whatever she has is from the Lord. And it's a gift from the Lord. And now she has a, a, a son in, in, in that God has so generously given to her to replace something that, that, that evil took, that the one she placed her hopes in took. And then to Seth it says, uh, a son was born and named his name, and he called his name Enosh, which just means man, mankind. And at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. There's a sense here. I believe it answers the question where Adam and Eve sit. I believe it answers that in a positive way. Because we see Eve's faith coming about in the midst of her problems, her trusting in God, her thankfulness to God for, for, for giving her something to replace what she had placed her hopes in and lost. But now she's not placing her hopes in this that person anymore. She's putting her hopes back in God. 
And when her son Seth has a a son, it it, it seems like I'm maybe I'm reading this into it, but it seems like her influence and Adam's influence on on Seth, whose name is is acquired, is that he names his son or his wife names their son or they all name the son just man. They they realize that their their hopes are no longer in mankind. Man is just man. Man is just mankind. And then here's the kicker. And at that time, it says, men, or mankind, people actually, began to call upon the name of the Lord. With that understanding that man is just man, they turned their hopes back to where it belonged in the first place. The long haul, the long version, long game. And it was in the Lord. This expression, to call on the name of the Lord, carries through throughout the Old Testament. Um, we see it again in Abraham when he goes into the land of Canaan, the, this land of full of fear, um, and he goes and builds a, a uh, he, he goes to the crossroads, the, these major crossroads of trade, and he put, builds an altar, does this twice, uh, Bethel, uh, and I can for, forget the other one. But Bethlehem and I is the first one, and, and I can't remember the second one, but there's another place in, in the land of Canaan that God gave him. And he builds an altar, and he, and he calls upon the name of the Lord, it says. And it could, from, from the, in the rest of the, the in, in other, sorry, in other places in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, talks about calling on the name of the Lord. Psalm 116, 15, um, talks about the, the psalmist. He says, uh, I will offer my... Uh, on 116.17, I will offer to you this, that sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. And it could, it almost sounds like we're just we're going to have worship and, you know, and honor God and call on, on his name. And the, the, the psalmist, though, is saying something different. He's saying what, what, what um, Abraham has said and what is said here. To call on the name of the Lord is, is more than just using his name. It really has the sense in the Hebrew of to be called by the name of the Lord. It's kind of a play on words. It's both admitting that God is Lord of our lives, and He is the He is both Creator, Sustainer, and the Provider of our salvation. But it's also a statement that we are called by His name. We are His children, and that kind of helps us with one of the problematic passages. I think don't have it here in Philippians, um, Ephesians. Sorry. Um, where it talks about he is the um, uh, uh, God, God is the father of of all um, all, he, uh, all names all all names all nations all names of the nations of the earth have come from him um, it's that idea of of everybody no matter who they are ultimately derives uh, from God God is their ultimate father whether they want to understand or not. So to, to, to call on the name of the Lord is to recognize that He is the Father and we are called by His name. And it, it's, a, it's a sense of, of, of submission to Him to, and, and, and it's the idea of, of, of and here's that word sanctified that's used in the Old Testament and again here in our passage of 1 Peter sanctify Him as Lord. Set Him apart as Lord. When we come to worship, we're making a statement to the world as God's people that we are different. We are we belong to the Lord. We 
everyone was created by the Lord, but just because of that doesn't make you the Lord's. Uh, he calls us to come back to Him, and we 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 have done that in, in through the in work of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we bear His name in an honoring way. We we are grateful for that, and we proclaim that. But it's more than that. It's it's more it's a it's a dedication of our lives to sanctify Him to set Him apart as Lord means. You put him as, as Lord of everything in your life. You submit to him. You submit your fears to him. You submit your daily devotions to him. You submit um, your children to him. You, everything of, of life is to be done in, in understanding that, that we owe everything to him, we are to be obedient to him, and we're to trust him that what he says is right, and, and we're to we're to apply the word of God to our lives. So, so it's that whole idea of set. Don't how we deal with fear is we set him apart as Lord. We we trust him. We we do the things he asks us to do. We study his word. We worship together. We pray, and with the understanding that those kind of things. That's the fear of the Lord, by the way. That drives out fear. And, and so the last thing I want to say, so just to sum up, problems aren't the problem, fear is the problem. The second thing is the fear of the Lord is the answer to fear. And this passage here um, in First Peter says one thing. It says, on the Lord Christ is holy, or, or, or set apart the Lord Christ in your hearts. It's not just a... Um, uh, uh, you know, mark, marking off a checkbox and where I'm going to do this and this and this. We, we, we really, in our hearts, try to understand who he is and honor him in our hearts. It's a, it's a thing of love. But then it says, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the hope that is in, in you. Witnessing is a scary thing. It's another thing we, we always fear, right? You're told, you've got to witness as a Christian. I don't know if you were in the 70s, that was a big thing. you got to witness. This passage, though, is not talking about coming to people with a boatload of, of facts and trying to, 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 to convince them. The word apologetics comes from there. It's apologia. Um, always being ready to give a defense for the hopes that is within you. The, the way the passage is structured in the Greek, it literally says, set up Christ as Lord, being ready. Always ready to give a defense for the hope that is within you. That's our apologetics. That's our, our witnessing, is our lives. The lives that say, I submit to him. I Yes, there's fearful things in life. There's, there's frightening things in life, but I'm not going to fear them because I'm putting my trust in someone else. And so when people see that in you, and they come to ask you, Sam, why, is, why aren't you concerned about these things? Why don't you have the same fears of life that I do with raising my kids? Or You've got a kid that's... that's this is, this is a theoretical, but kids is off the rails. And how do you deal with that? My kids are all off the rails. You have one, so what's what? How do you deal with that? Your answer is simple. It's my, Christ is my Lord. Everything is not just simple. I mean, that's that's singular. I should say, right? Christ is Lord. Everything else flows from that. That's the start. But that's the answer we're to have. It's not because me. I haven't acquired anything. God has granted. God has granted me to be his son. God has granted me to be his daughter. Granted, God has granted me to be a husband uh, and to, 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 to take care of, of a wife and family. God has granted 
you to be a wife in submission to a husband. But whatever it is God has granted, that's the answer. Is our lives are lived in God, and we set apart Christ as Lord. So don't fear. Not saying there's not frightening things. Every life is full of frightening things. Whether it's my water heater going out yesterday, and knowing I'm facing the weekend, and kind of a family of three women, and are not going to be able to shower. Guys, we don't have to shower for a week or so, right? You know? Cold water. It, yeah, yeah. It's the no, but or or it's the fear of the accident we witnessed. We just saw the aftermath of driving down here, where it looks like it was okay, but anything. You can get in a wreck at any time. You're to live your lives in, in fear. You live your lives in paralysis. And the answer to that is to judge up something in ourselves, just to put our hopes in, the, in, the, in, the, in our fears in the, in the one who we should fear in a godly way. And that is to, the, the fear of the Lord is that of, of honoring Him, loving Him, worshiping Him, understanding that we owe everything to Him. In return, has promised to take care of everything's life for us through our problems. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that we have an answer to, to our fears in Jesus Christ. The, the one who is the great champion that was promised. The one who faced death in a way we could never face. And complete, or, or, or in a way that, that we we would fear most, and that's complete and utter uh, abandonment by you, as he took our sins upon him, and, and took our shame, and, and, and your shunning at the cross. Um, we thank you that uh, through Christ uh, we have been called, we have been appointed into your family. Uh, that we are those who are able now to call upon the name of the Lord, the, the name that means uh, you are our provider. You are everything. You are who you are. That I am who I am. That you will be who you will be. You will be everything we need from our Savior from, from death to our, our problem solver of life to the one who sees us through the problems of life. To give meaning to every problem of life. That there's just there's nothing that is uh, inconsequential anymore of life because our lives are lived in you. You bring meaning to it all, and you you bring joy to our lives. And it's, we thank you that we are able to name the name of Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. In His name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.